The song Amazing Grace has probably been sung more than any other song in the last 200 years anyway. This song is one that you will hear at funerals. It's one that you will hear at weddings. You will hear it at graduations. It's always appropriate, the song Amazing Grace. I was given this book by a very special lady of this congregation, uh, Ann Harmon, for Christmas of 2014. And the name of it, by the way, she's watching right now. She always watches us. Thank you, John. Then Sings My Soul. And in it, it has songs on one page. Oh God, our help in ages is one I just thumbed to. And then on the other side, it gives the story on it and the background on it. It's very, very informative. And in here is the one on Amazing Grace. A friend of mine had been fighting cancer for some time. It had gone into remission, but when it came back, it was with a vengeance. His wife and his daughter came in to see him one day. The daughter was having to leave town and go be with the, the family, her family. And as daughter and mother walked in to this individual's room, the daughter said, Amazing. You see, the, the nurses had propped him up with the pillows and he was sitting up and he looked more alert than he had in a long time. And, he's, and she said, amazing, Dad. And he said, amazing grace. Those are the last words he ever said. He leaned back on the pillows and there was never any more conversation. In about four or five days, he passed away. Amazing grace. Aren't you glad that you don't have to earn the grace? I heard an amen up here. Well, I didn't hear it, but I saw her mouth move, so. Thank you. I got an amen. I might even get one from the choir because we've got some amen people over there. But we have that perfect gift of grace. And the most wonderful thing is that, yeah, we don't have to earn it because we can't earn it. But once we receive grace, we want to do more and more for our Lord. It's not because we have to. You know, it's not like one of your coaches in school that you've already run about five laps and he says, okay, if you want to get on my good side, you'll run another five. God is not like that. God is always there and He's willing to forgive you of your sins. I've shared with you before that if it wasn't for grace and mercy, I couldn't, I could never be in the pulpit. I know my past, and it's not like I was a hacksaw murderer, 
but there sure were a lot of things that I did in the past that I'm not real proud of. But He has forgiven me. And He has forgiven you. You know the one that beats up on you the most? No, Dean, it's not Shirley. (laughs) He said, preacher? Oh, no. He must be talking about somebody else. (laughs) But it's us. We beat up on ourselves so much. God has forgiven us, but those little times keep seeping back in and creating all kinds of issues for us. I know of individuals that have told me one of the reasons they do not come to church is because they feel so guilty. Well, this is where we should be. And I encourage that. But so far, it really hadn't worked that much. That guilt, that beating up on themselves, I'm not worthy. If we had to be worthy, we wouldn't be here. You know, the... I'm standing in front of a baptistry. And you and I have seen, we're blessed to have seen people come up and give their life to Jesus Christ. And then in a short time thereafter, then there's the baptism. And the Word tells us, Peter talking to all the the people at Pentecost, that they, the Jews, the, the individuals from Rome... Europe, they were all there, 3,000, accepted Jesus Christ. And they said, what must we do to have salvation? You've got to accept Jesus Christ. You've got to ask for forgiveness of your sins, and you must be baptized. I'm reading a book in which an individual lived the life of crime. He was a mobster. And he had worked his way on up in to be one of the bosses. Now, they didn't let you be a boss because you were the nicest guy in the, in the family. That's not the way it worked. And he worked his way up. He got his points by the things he did to others. But this book, the second half of it actually says second book. And that's when he gave his life to Christ. He married a Christian lady and he learned so much from her that he turned to Jesus Christ. And when he, was, he went to the minister to say, okay, I like what I hear on Sunday mornings, but what must I do to become a Christian, to be saved? And the minister said the same thing I just told you. And he said, that can't be all. It can't be that easy. It cannot be that easy. And a lot of people will not accept the fact that it's not like a fraternity or sorority pledge group that you've got to get all these signatures, do all these work projects and all this stuff, and then maybe you'll be accepted. We come forward with all the sins and warts that we have, and we're accepted. And the Word tells us that He remembers remembers no more. I have asked Kathy and uh, the choir to assist me on this. And you can turn to page 391. And you can see the song, Amazing Grace. 
and I've asked the choir to sing one verse at a time, and then I'll reflect on it. And after we finish the last one, I'm going to ask you to stand and sing the first verse over so that we're all on the same verse at the same time. So, Kathy, the first verse, please. John Newton lost his mother when he was about six or seven, and she had been ill a while. But while she could, she worked with him on scriptures and talking about the Lord. She was that positive influence. But when she passed away at the age of six or seven, he was kind of like any, without any direction. His daddy was a merchant, if you will. He was always on a ship going someplace. And so his dad was gone a lot. And so he wandered away, and yet it says that he kept having those thoughts of what his mother kept trying to teach him in those early years. And then when he was about 11 years old, his dad got him to go on one of the ships with him. He ended up being in the slave, slave market, slave ships. And he worked his way up to being a captain. And he, he enjoyed the roughness that was at Everport. He enjoyed being in charge and the brutality with the slaves. He enjoyed that life. He enjoyed it. And then, and then one night, there was a terrible storm. And he went up, and he took control, and he prayed to God. He remembered those early years. Don't ever think your kids don't remember those early years. And he was praying... If God, if you will save me from this, if you will save our ship, I will worship you forever. So all night long, he fought the storm. And then in the morning, it cleared. It cleared. That that you would save a wretch like me. I once was lost. You see where he's coming from? You see why he refers to himself as a wretch? And he was lost, lost to the Word, lost to, the, to God and to Jesus Christ. He was totally lost. But now I am found, was blind because he could not see. 
He could not see the way of the Lord. He refused to. He was totally blind to the things in life that were good and perfect being in Jesus Christ. So he was blind, but after he accepted Jesus Christ, he says, now I see. Now I can see. I can see the true world. It's it's not all evil. It's not all bad. I can see. You remember a guy named Saul that went blind too. And once he got his side side back, Paul could see. Saul was a man that hated all Christians, and yet he became one of the strongest advocates. And in the same way, John Newton became a minister, a very strong advocate, a very strong evangelist for Jesus Christ. As a child, 11 or 12, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, not really understanding the full impact of what I had just done. But within a couple of years, we had a pet. She had a litter of pups, and she was so weak, my dad said, we'll know tomorrow if she's going to live or not, if she makes it through this night. I prayed to God, I prayed to God that He would heal and take care of our pet. There's nothing too small to take to God. Nothing too small and certainly nothing too large. There's nothing He can't do. But this 12-year-old, 13-year-old, the next morning got up and his puppy came running to him. Came running. She could barely even walk the night before. I was lost, then I was found. I was blind, but then I could see. As life went on, we, we go to God with our concerns, our prayers, and we have that feeling of grace. For we know that He answers these prayers. And sometimes He answers no. But He answers our prayers in such a way that we know that there truly is a God. A God that loves us and cares for us. There's a God that provides grace without us having to earn it. Because of His love. Unconditional love. And that's what John Newton found out, that there is a God, and in spite of all of the things I've done, 
He still loves me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And you've got to know that with his background, the people he had killed, the conditions in which the slaves had to live in, the way they were tortured, you'd have to know there was a lot of guilt once he turned to Jesus Christ. But also he knew that feeling is just like the flushing of your soul when you are forgiven by Jesus Christ with the grace and the mercy that He offers. His grace that brings us through the toils, the challenges, and again reflecting on my life. For 40 years, I ran from the Lord, for it was when I got out of college, the first minister came to me and asked me to go to seminary. You've heard this story, most of you. And I said, I'm not worthy to be a minister just to let you know I'm still not. But I do believe in the grace and the mercy.